0: Welcome to the Girl Dad Show, a professional parenting podcast. Each month I interview entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals who are balancing parenthood, life, and profession in the hopes to learn what it takes to be an amazing professional parent. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Girl Dad Show. Today, I had Pete Espinoza on the show, and we talk about so many great things. He's a wonderfully beautiful man with two special needs kids um, and a lawyer son, and then also talking about troubles and tribulations and how to overcome them and all the mindset that you need to to build um, a happy and and successful life. It's a really, really great show and super, super inspiring. Uh, I can't wait for you to check it out and hear it. Pete, thank you so much for joining me today on my show. Young, great to see you again. How are you? It's really great to catch up. It's been way too many uh, years, years, right? Yeah, years since we've actually hung out like this. It's been a long time. Life goes fast. Seems like yesterday, but it's been a while. Young, good to see
1: you. Yeah, it really is. Good to see you. Where are you at right now? Well, I'm in Minneapolis. I'm in my backyard, uh in in Minnesota, and uh, doing a variety of work things. You know me, I'm always a little out of control, but... Um, yeah, enjoying the fact that it appears as though uh, summer may finally be here. We've had a very elongated late spring, kind of a non-existent spring. Finally glad to have summer here. I'm, I'm enjoying my time
0: sitting out in my backyard since we're finally getting some nice weather. Nice. Are you trying to take more meetings outside? Is that is that your is that your uh, shtick here with the sun coming in? Well, yeah.
1: My, my wife's said this thing saying, uh, you know, we lack vitamin D here in these cold northern climates. So she's trying to get me... Uh, outside an hour a day during the workday just to get a little vitamin D. And I, have, I find that just fresh air, a uh, little bit of a breeze just feels good. It's very invigorating. Uh, they used to tell people, you know, during test taking, take a break and walk outside and then come back and finish your test. Just, you know, get your heart moving, get your breathing some fresh air. I find from a work perspective, when I can sneak out in my backyard like I am now and just breathe a little fresh air, uh, it, it just it feels good.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to do that a lot more, too. I mean, especially with like just being on Zoom meetings all the time, like I've noticed myself um, getting fatigued, you know, by like the sixth or seventh hour. And so what I've been trying to do is like trying to talk some of my meetings into going on walks with me. So like, Hey, I know what your face looks like, you know, let's just get on the phone and hit, I don't need to see you. You know, I already know what you look like. And then trying to get a couple of them to like, you know, take the meetings on a walk and like actually them walking virtual, you know, remotely from them. And then me walking here and us just having a conversation and I haven't been fully successful at it, but I have been successful at it. Meaning I've gotten some of them to actually be like, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And it definitely helps. You know,
1: I love that idea. Take a walk with me. That's a great idea. I've been doing a little bit of a take a ride in the car with me where I've, you know, my, my mother's aging and I'm trying to, you know, go see here, you know, a little bit and she's a couple hours away. So I've scheduled some calls where I'm saying, same thing. I know what you look like. You know what I look like. How about <laughs> if we just do the audio and, and take a ride with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive down into Iowa and visit my mother today kind of thing.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that you mix that all together with work, especially, oh, we should jump into telling the users, uh, the listeners, uh, what you do for a living. So why don't you share with the, uh, with the listeners, what you do for a living first, and then we'll jump into some of these questions.
1: I, I have kind of a hodgepodge of things that I'm, I'm up to, you know, me, I'm always got a few things that I'm That's I'm, right. I'm working on, but, uh, uh, so I, I, I'm the founder and owner of a brewery called pulpit rock brewing. Uh, it's actually in Northeastern Iowa. And we've had that about, we're going to have our seventh year anniversary in in uh later july we we've we've had tremendous success and it's been tons of fun and it's a kind of a labor of love but it's one of those things that you know you root for success it's why you do it but then when you start having success it ends up being you know more time and attention than you originally thought uh we also opened up two years ago what we call the landing market kind of a food hall concept and next door so just during the pandemic, running that, staffing it, doing all that's been more work than I thought. But the last two and a half years, I've been CEO of a company called Mortgage Cadence owned by Accenture. It's a SaaS software company. And that's that's been kind of a of a consuming thing, too, especially with low interest rates and record mortgage volumes. It's been a very busy, you know, good time for the for the business. And I'm right. on the board of regents at, at, at a college, Luther College, where I went to school. Uh, so I, I do that and I do you know a few other board philanthropic things. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm like a lot of people young, I'm just a little bit out of control. Um It's a good out of control, mostly. But more days than not, I kind of wish I had a little more, you know, time available to to do other things. But, but I'm no different than anybody else. Every,
0: everybody's got their own challenges trying
1: to get everything done that they want to get done in their lives.
0: That's right. I mean, and I mean, we, you're also not even adding in the fact that you are um, an amazing father, and obviously an amazing son. So, uh let's let's incorporate that a little bit into it as well too. So do you mind sharing how many kids you have and 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 uh, who they are? I have 3
1: children. My oldest son Josh is an attorney down in Dallas. He's married. They, he and his wife had their first child uh, last November 19th, a son. So I'm now a grandpa. Pretty exciting. Congratulations. Little guy, Teddy is 6 months old. Um the other two, you know, we we all take a different journey in life. I have two children that have uh what's called fragile X syndrome. So, I have an adult son mm. who's who's also uh thirty my middle child justin who's mentally handicapped, so he's home mm. with us will always will be uh full time and um uh and then my daughter, who just turned twenty one shares a birthday with me so in in late may she turned twenty one she also has fragile X syndrome she's less affected than my son, but she has special needs, which just yeah. requires uh, those who have special needs. Family members, no, it's it's just a whole nother set of anxieties and considerations you have as a parent, and so yeah. you know trying to weave a successful um, path uh, business wise, uh, personally, while also being a good husband. My wife and I will have will have been married thirty seven years come uh, September fourteenth. So being a husband and being a dad to a a kid with a kids with a variety of needs is um you know. The same as what a lot of people in this world have, young, know, just a a handful of of a continual stream of significant emotional events between yeah. between work and and um, family and you know personal
0: lives. Yeah, I, I didn't actually know that. That's uh. And thanks for sharing that. Can I? Do you mind if I ask? Like, what what are some of the the things that um go with that? Like, I'm assuming that there's a lot more time and and um. Decisions that you've had to make based on the fact that you are um, in your business life, that you are with the kids that you have, right? See, most of us as parents, um, yes, we we
1: we we stress and worry about our kids as they're growing up. We want to be the right influences. We want to, you know, create the right opportunities for them. And, and um, but but once they get past college, we still care. We're still involved, but it's a much different role. They're they're kind of on their own. You hear parents talk about my kids of. Have have left the nest or flown the coop or whatever. Uh, when right. you have a special needs child, um, that never happens. You're you're mm-hmm. uh, to some degree still very much involved their whole life. And and where that becomes material is uh, you know financially. Most of us plan for and when you go to retirement seminars and things, they talk about you know will you have enough money in retirement? And they they plan for things like your kids' weddings and your kids' colleges and and but they you you stop having to think about supporting your child materially once they're married or once they're through college. You figure I might have to provide some support. And there's a lot of kids, you know, boomeranging back home and things like that. But largely, you, you don't have the burden of having to prepare for that and plan for that. Not if you're a special needs parent. You have to think about, okay, my kid's going to outlive me by 30 years. Who's taking care of my child Twenty years after I'm gone, mm. so you have to think about not only your own personal financial planning. You have to think about, wow, uh, you know, you, your special needs child, and nothing is is more uh, heart wrenching, young, than to see a special needs adult that is in need of of help and support and assistance, and they're not getting it. They're they're the ward of the state, or uh, you know, they haven't been provided financial means, and and so. That tugs at me a lot, and and so I'm I'm trying to be a responsible parent and and deal for that while I'm while I can. So I've had contemporaries saying to me, "What well, are you still doing working, Pete? You've been successful. You know, you're in your early 60s. You ought to think about you know why why aren't you traveling the world and and posting Facebooks? You're doing here and there, and and, and trust me, I get to do lots of fun things. So I, I'm not you know yeah. saying woe is me. I'm I'm stuck at home trying to make money, but but I'm still very focused on my career and being successful and having my entrepreneurial endeavors go well, because I'm thinking about um, someday when my children need a place to work, uh, do I have businesses or places they could work? So I think my daughter could yeah. work in the coffee shop at the landing or in, and the restaurant there is named Justin's after my son. And, and there's things that he could do there to help. So you, I'm trying to provide things that they can do occupationally, but then also financially wanting them to go go well so that someday when I'm you know, institutionalized or, or, or dead, that there are, you know, financial means to support them as opposed to just having them burden their older brother who will have his own family. And he's a great guy. He's saying, dad, don't worry about someday when, when, you know, I'm happy to take Justin and Rachel and take care of them, but, but who wants to put that burden on, on, you know, your, your other child. So happy that he has that attitude and that approach, but that, that very much
0: factors into decisions I make, um, Every day, but also career-wise. Yeah, that's amazing. I never even really thought about it that way, and that's a really, really um, obvious statement once you say it out loud. And it's incredible to think about it that way. I've always just like I, I, I've wrestled with this a little bit, but you're you're almost like um, uh, doing it from an, a need standpoint. So when people say like, "Why are you building so much?" or "Why are you working so much?", you know, you have the jovial response, but there's actually a lot of layers underneath that. You, you're building for a reason. You're building for a purpose. You're building for. Uh, uh, security and stability for your for your um your kids. Yeah, and another layer on top of that is is living life to the fullest. Uh, You
1: know, my uh, my wife, out of the blue, as a super healthy in her fifties woman, you know, she's run ten marathons. Wow, uh, had what this thing called a scad heart attack. Oh no, um, uh, a spontaneous coronary artery dissection, and it it happens primarily to women. It's not rare, but it's it's fairly uncommon. But it's just where you have kind of an arterial breakdown in your heart. And the majority of people that get these things, uh, you pass away before you, you know, men, young, when we feel chest pain or we have some ailment, we right away rush to the doctor. We, we over, you know, react to it. Women, women, they feel pain. They feel, man, I got, I got to make dinner. I got to pick up the kids. I got things to do. You know, I'll, I'll rest later and see if it feels better. Um, and, um, and so usually by the time they, you know, realize they're having a heart attack, they're, they're gone. Well, my wife, it just so happened. I was home that day a couple of years ago. And she said, I've had this odd pain in my chest. And, and, and so we decided this, let's go to the hospital. And we lived 10 minutes from, from a hospital here in Edina. And we got there and I, it was a little bit of a line in the, in the, in the emergency, you know, intake area. So I went up the front of the line and just, 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 you know, my wife's having chest pain. And they, they whisked us in looked and said, wow, she's, she's, she's having a, you know, heart attack. And, and uh, who'd have thought that a healthy person like my wife um at yeah. the age she was at so fortunately got her in there quickly, they saved her, so she's got her own set of of things that you know is is trying to be healthy, trying to be active, trying to live life the fullest. We lost both of her parents in twenty twenty during the covid era they didn't die of COVID, but they they degraded fast and we're into facilities where we couldn't spend a lot of time with them because of covid shutdowns and Things everybody's got things in their life like that that happen that that teach you or tell you live life the fullest enjoy every day, so you can't wake up and say I'm spending all my time planning for someday when I'm gone to take care of my special needs kids. Yes, that's a big factor and big consideration, but at the same time, uh, like my daughter's last day of school was yesterday, and so today our family tradition is the day after last day of school. That's kind of when summer starts. We sit down and say. What's going to make this the greatest summer ever? And we each kind of oh, list wow. our, our items, and we try to say what is it that that will make this the. And my my daughter will pick. I'd like to go to some Minnesota Twins baseball games and kind of the things she and I do together. Or, but we do a family trip to Cape Cod for two weeks, end of July, beginning of August, and that's kind of our favorite thing. And but we have a number of other activities, not as elaborate as trips to Cape Cod, but. Um, and my wife likes to involve her twin sister and her family and her younger sister and her family. And and so, um, you know, kind of an extended family thing, which is something else you end up doing when you have special needs kids as well. Uh, nothing is better than having them spend time with their cousins. Their cousins know them. They understand them. They're comfortable with their cousins. All the norming of friendship challenges you might have with a special needs kids are out the window. They can just be themselves and have fun. So oh, that's awesome. uh, so the after school. We, today's our day. I'm home. We're planning our summer and all the things we're going to do. So there's an, there's another layer as you refer to it as how do we get the most out of life and in, in, and enjoy everything we're doing now while at the same time, you know, p- planning for uh, the, the future. So um, a lot of people, that's the challenges they're facing. They've got uh, they, they've got you know, pressures in their financial world or their career world now. They've got family pressures. They've got career pressures. They're trying to live life the fullest. They might be on a a, a little tighter budget. How do you save enough and plan for the future and things like that? So we're all, I've just been fortunate, Young. I've been fortunate to have some good, um, you know, people I've been able to work with like yourself in the past, some good career opportunities, some things that have worked out well, thus doing my best to help us, you know, do what we can as a family, each and every day, each and every summer, and then uh, also be, be mindful of uh, the, the longer term as well.
0: You have a, you have a beautiful, beautiful mindset. Um, I, I love it. and It's uh, a very, very unique mindset. I mean, given especially the circumstances, and I, I applaud you for um, having that outlook. It's very, very inspiring. And I will say, Pete, I had no clue I had no clue. I mean, not that. I mean, I, I already liked you as it was, but now I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is really, really neat. And it's really, really um, um, warm and heartfelt. And when I say this, that it's like very, very inspiring as a, as a dad and a son and, 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 and as a working professional trying to navigate some of these questions. Because I, I mean, as much as I've been wrestling with these same thoughts and questions, obviously in a much more muted level. And I look at you here, and you're like not only wrestling with it in a much more complex, uh, complex way with more variables, you're also looking at it in a mindset that's uh, very, very abundant and happy and, and positive. It's it's very inspiring. So uh, thank you for sharing that. That's incredible. Well, you're, you're
1: welcome, and thank you. Uh, I, I, I'm also very fortunate, young, that um, I had parents that taught me what what I think to be is the main lesson in life, and that's about resiliency. Uh, life isn't about what happens to you; it's how you react to it. And I've known people that are very fortunate in life, but they don't act the way. They they feel like, you know, one bad thing happens and and woe is me. And my parents, you know, my father's family came from Mexico. My mother's family came from Norway. And wow. uh, my mother's family was shipwrecked from Norway, lost all their possessions, and went, traveled to a small town of, of Norwegian, you know, other Norwegian immigrants. And my father's family didn't have anything, came from Mexico. My father was the 14th of 17 kids, but they had one pervasive view of, of life. And that was life isn't what happens to you. It's how you react to it. And so I could sit here and bemoan, you know, Hey, my wife's had a heart attack and I got multiple special needs kids and, um, and, and, you know, try to represent, um, you know, uh, woe was me instead I'm, I'm living a great life. I got a great wife. Um, I got three great kids. And, um, the number one thing I'm trying to do is teach them, how to show up every day with a positive attitude, and all kinds of good things come from that. People want to be near somebody who's a fountain, not a drain. And uh, so I I try to bring that to my work settings. And I've always been able to work with, gravitate towards people like yourself, positive attitude people, Mm -hmm. people that are fun to be around. And um, if, if you're like that yourself, then you tend to be a magnet for other people like that. And and you'll you'll be surprised the power of what you can accomplish personally or professionally in a business when you have a bunch of people that are saying, Let's figure out how to solve this and make something good happen, as opposed to people that you know, like I refer to that are that are a drain like, oh bummer, look at this just happened. And many of my customers' successes, we had some body blows. We I've been to the companies that had to miss payroll or or we were got we got oh, you wow. know uh uh somebody sued us for some fraudulent reason that ended up not being true, but, but we had to spend a bunch of money defending ourselves. And, um, but it's also a cause to rally together and find a way to, to overcome. And, and, um, with that kind of attitude, you know, then good things happen. So even with special needs kids, that's, you try to teach them that. And, um, and I've been fortunate. My think, I think my three kids have been, um, have been, have been taught that. And my wife's like that too, of, having a positive attitude, going, go make something good happen. And irregardless of what happens to you. And I speak to college kids uh, a lot too. And I'm, I I mentioned that I'm on the board of regents at a college. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to speak in the software strides program where the, all the sophomores gathered together. And I was able to address them at the start of the school year and and tried to, you know, tell them um, bad things are going to happen to you. It's just, the, the odds of having a charmed life are remote. You're going to lose a parent. You're going to have an illness yourself. You're going to, you know, get into a, a bad relationship. If something bad's going to happen to you and um, how you react and deal with that is basically going to affect, you know, your well-being and your happiness, not the fact that something
0: happened to you in itself. Do you think that that, that value prop and that success criteria, you, you permeate both at work and at home? Oh, totally. Yo, totally got it. Yeah. Very I mean, good. The, the, people, the, the people that work, the people that work with me, young,
1: will, will will tell you that that you know uh, I use the terms like like you know be a fountain and, and not a drain, and and look for a way to be uplifting to your fellow employees, um, and and yeah. don't ever underestimate the impact you have on the others that work around you. Um, I've, I there's been some neat articles out there about basically saying you are who you choose to spend time with. Um, so, so if you made a list mm-hmm. of the five people you spend the most time with, that, mm-hmm. outside your family, that, that you choose, to, so then you aggregate those people. That's basically who you are. It's it's who you choose to spend your time with, and and it, it gets you thinking
0: a little bit. Yeah, so powerful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that more recently. I mean, I have um, been wrestling with this idea of like um, uh, what retirement looks like, and you know being a younger father and i have two young girls i've been like really wrestling with this idea of like what does that look like for them and what is my job in being a father and providing for them beyond just being like a mentor teaching them values and and all those other things but like are there like fiduciary responsibilities and so it's been like a real um and i have i feel like i have plenty of time because they're only 3 and 5 so i'm still taking my time to kind of figure out what it is that i want to do and how i want to do that but um all of that stuff all of that to be said is that i started to realize that the people that I hang out with is is exactly like what you just said. It's inhibiting me, or it's exact, It's accelerating me towards uh, these financial goals that I've set for myself to basically, you know, have the opportunity to have the decisions to support my kids in this way or not. Right, and so. Uh, it's been really fascinating, and I just kind of chalked it up to growing up. I mean, I turned forty last year, and I was like, "Oh, maybe it's just because I'm getting older and I'm wiser." But uh, I, I, I keep harking back to what my mom always said when I was in high school. You know, like choose your friends wisely. You know, because like you, you will become, you know, who you hang out with, and and it's become so much more apparent and real over the last years. And I've literally seen the impact it's had when I've been conscious about choosing those people that I choose to hang out with. It's 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 unbelievable. It's like magic. It's almost like magic. A- absolutely no. So
1: your kids are three and five now. Wow. Okay. I think, I think they were like, you know, newborns when I, when I used to hang out with you a little bit. Um, so, uh, as a guy 20 plus years older than you, um, can I, can I lay a little advice and perspective on a new dad like yourself with, with? Yes, sir. Please. Uh, First of all, whatever your worst day is with them, cherish it. Um, I, I know a lot of people tell you life goes fast and before you know it, they're going to be in school, then they're going to grow up and they're going to go away and all that kind of stuff. But but I will tell you, um, I think each of us, when we're when our kids are little, we, we, we're too stressed um, in terms of mm-hmm. we worry about stuff that you don't need to worry about. Whatever your worst day is right now or with them when they're sick or they're, whatever challenge that, that they may have in life, you'd give anything young when you are my age to go back to right now and enjoy the mayhem. Um, so wow. I've had people say to me, I can't wait till my kids grow up a little bit. They're a handful. Or I got, I got multiple kids in diapers or, or my kids are always sick or the pandemic has been the horrible. I can't wait till it's over. And and I tell them it's going to end by the way. And the day is going to come yeah. when you're me and your kids are, are, are more grown up. And, and I got to tell you, you'd give anything young to go back to when they're three and five. and, and, you know, spend a summer like, like you have the possibility to do in this summer. So the, I mean, my first thing is enjoy and embrace the mayhem, you know, whatever's stressing you out now, don't let it bother you. Go have fun with your kids. And, um, because life goes fast and, and in no time at all, they'll be grown up and you miss those windows. And so, and, and so point two is while you're in this window of time, find something that is a shared interest. Be you know, be intentional about it. My my daughter and I, um, you know, she had certain movies that she liked, like, like she had musicals, whether it was like Mamma Mia or Pitch Perfect, or she would it, Enchanted with Amy Adams, or she'd like The Rock that was in either, you know, Game Plan or or uh, Tooth Fairy. And so, I mean, we would go to movies together. Um, that was one of the things she liked to do. Or she had a, a book series called Mr. Putter and Tabby that she liked. And we would f- drive to bookstores in search of the next, as opposed to just automatically ordering them online. It was it was more of a shared experience together. We would go to, we'd find an independent bookstore, which we also thought was a good thing. We like to support independent bookstores. But we'd drive there, we'd look at their section, and we'd find another Mr. Putter and Tabby book and then bring home and read it. But finding those kind of shared experiences and being intentional about it, um, you know, that, that has really helped us have more commonality as she's gotten older and does more things now that we kind of formed that base when she was a little of, we find something that we can do together um very intentionally and and the third and kind of last thing is uh, you'll learn this and maybe you have this now you know as parents we all have aspirations for our kids we have expectations of what we yeah. want them to do okay and because we want them to have a great life and we want them to 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 be more successful than we are and stuff but too many times that ekes into us having an expectation of 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 what we want them to do in life. Um, And maybe we form a value proposition as to as to what they should do or what they should do to make themselves happy. Um, As you age a bit, and as your kids grow up, you realize there's only one thing that matters. Your best day when your kids are growing up, when your kids are growing young is when your kids are happy. You're going to end up not caring about what they chose to do Hmm. um, or how they chose to do it. Or who they're in a relationship with, or where they chose to live, or anything else about their lifestyle, or anything else that you might have an opinion about now, or that an expectation of what you want them to do, you're ultimately at some point in time. Most parents come to the realization that when my kid is happy, I'm happy. And the worst moments you have as an as an adult when your kids are growing up is when your kid's unhappy. Pretty hard to be happy as a parent when your kid calls you and they're sad about something. really hard. I don't care what you have going on in your life. Um, If if your kid isn't happy, hard to be happy. Wow. So you realize at some point in time, throw out the window, any expectation of what you think you want to do profession wise, or what, what your expectation is for them, support them, you know, teach them values, you know, all that, but they're going to end up being whoever they are. And at that point in time, support them. Um, Because if your kid's happy, you'll be happy. And if they're not you won't be. And you're better off to what, wow. where do they become as people? Line up with that. And um, I try to tell parents that, that t- they tell me, oh, I'm upset. You know, my, my, you know, daughter just went to live with some guy, you know, that I don't really know him and why would she, do? or whatever the decision they make in life. I'd say, you know what? If you showed your kid disappointment in that decision, you just, you just kind of etched yourself a little bit further out of the tent with that person. You know, with your own kid, why don't you embrace it? Tell them if they're so happy to share the news with you, tell them you're happy for them, happy that they're happy. What can you do to support them? And and keeps you connected with your kid. And and you wow. you ultimately realize that that's the way to be happy as a parent. So anyway, wow. you know a, a little bit of a, this a, is... a worth from uh,
0: from from uh, from you know Pete to, to his buddy Young. This is OG dad stuff. I love it. This is incredible. I, I, I am completely, um, um, inspired again, and just really, really, um, thankful for you sharing those kind of nuggets and wisdom. I mean, and and it doesn't necessarily, um, um, make it like lesser or more, but the fact that you're so successful career wise and professionally, and you're that's that's the way that you think about it is even more powerful to me, right? Like. It's uh, very, very cool to know that, like, out of all the things that you think through, I, I, that that's what's the most important, and um, it's um, it really makes me question everything that I'm building, yeah. <laughs> I'm building and doing right now.
1: You know, you're a quality person, so I shared this with you. I, I enjoyed when I worked with you. You were one of those people I wanted to spend more time with, um, and they yeah. go hand in hand. There's no such thing as as you know, work being separate. We we are whole people. Work is not separate from our personal lives. And we, we, we bring our work home with us. We bring our home to work with us. I think of people I used to work with young that would wear as a badge of honor. You know, I once had a guy I worked for when I was with IBM, who said, he told me, I once lived apart from my family for a year. I took this assignment in Japan. And it was a great assignment. I learned something. and, Oh, I got this promotional was all these other people. And all I could think about was, I don't want to work for a guy who chose to, to be away from his family for a year. I mean, to me, that is an yeah. inspiring story. He was trying to tell me how, how great an experience that was. And it made me not want to work for the guy. Um, I want to work for yeah. the guy who says, you know what? I turned that thing down because, you know, I, how, how do you, how do you go leave your family for a year? Um, I want to work with a guy who found a way to be successful and have a great career while being a great dad or a great husband and, and, I want tell me the guy who took the family trip. Tell me the guy who said, listen, things were wild and out of control. But I took two weeks and my family and I, we went and did the following. Um, and yeah, um, you uh, there, there were some great articles written um, in The New York Times during the pandemic of advice for people once the pandemic is over. And um, I love sharing these with people in my in my company and different people I work with. And it talked about things like. Uh, the, the variety of different articles that they had, but, but the ones I liked the most were um, when the pandemic is over, find a way to take um, a little bit more of an extreme vacation for a little bit longer in a little bit cooler place. In other words, you know, don't just do the same things you've always done, we, we, which is fine for some people. Like I'm going to go to Cape Cod again, like I do every summer. I love that. Okay. But it said, um, lean into it. Do something a little special for yourself and your family or whoever you're, you're sphere of influence is. And, um, you know, take a little longer trip. Disconnect a little more than you normally would have. Um, d- do a few more extreme things um, in a little more more of exotic location. And uh, I love sharing things like that because it just forces you to think. You may not necessarily do it, but it causes you to stop and think and evaluate and, and process a little bit versus just being in, you know, kind of autopilot mode. But I like things like that that make me think. And also from a family perspective, there's was, was always a line that, you know, my oldest son and I would take an individual trip every year. Um, but but Oh, nice. Um, w- 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 which was great. We started off when he was five years old. And I remember our first trip, we went to Chicago and we, we, we would only pack a backpack. So all you could do was pack a backpack. I packed mine, he packed his. We'd ride public transportation. We'd take the train and taxis and whatever. But we get to our hotel in Chicago and I said, what'd you pack? And he picks out his army men and, you know, there's different things that he, and his toys to play with. And I said, where's your toothbrush? Where's your underwear? And he's only five, but but that was a learning experience. And, and you fast forward, you know, when he was in high school, so then, you know, we, we were fortunate enough that I got to take him, you know, all over the world, all kinds of places. But in high school, I had a meeting in Santiago, Chile, and I, I took him with long trip and I'm with a couple of E&Y guys. And, and we're, I left my son at the hotel and and we had lunch and then we were, we're in this. We had this private driver, and we're all the way across Santiago, going to this meeting. And and the two guys asked me, said, "And what's your son doing?" I said, "Well, I'm sure he's staying back at the hotel. I mean, you know, what what scary place like this? We don't know where we're on. We stop at a light, and there, at a bus stop, was a group of people waiting on a bus, and there my son, <laughs> all the way across town, and he's reading a guidebook, you know, looking at the map, riding the a bus in in a. And I think to myself, you know, that's he's figured it out. He's comfortable enough. You know, he's He's out there doing that. So I wanted him to have enough of those kind of experiences, especially having a couple younger siblings that had special needs that that couldn't always do those kind of things. But when it came time for spring break time, I would tell him, you're going to do a family trip. Maybe your buddies are traveling all over the world. I don't know. In high school and college, and kids take such exotic trips now young versus what, what I did when I was a kid. But I would tell him, in college, you're coming home on spring break and we 're doing family stuff because we're a family, so like I said there's always a yeah. line to, to to draw. yes, I wanted him to be able to to grow and advance and do his own thing, but I also wanted the him to realize families first and and you do have siblings mm-hmm. that that value their time with you and 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 don't underestimate how much value you get by realizing you have special needs siblings who aren't going to be able to do what you do in, in life um, and uh, and people would say to me, "Wow, you know your your son. I, I, I saw him home, you know, mowing the lawn over his spring break." And and I'd say, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're it's family time. We're having a great time." And uh, now I'm not trying to say he was at all disadvantaged. He got to do a lot of things and had a great youth and went to some great college experiences and all that. But there's a line in everything, and and fortunately he learned to be very balanced with with um, um, families first. And there's times when that you, you put the, the family first and he went on every family vacation with us. Um even as he got older and had different interests than his younger siblings, because we're family. Yeah. And that's 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 what we chose to do. And do you guys still do that now? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Well I mean now he lives in Dallas and you know he went to law school and he's an attorney in Dallas. So you know what, what attorneys are like before your partner or whatever, you know, <laughs> you're it's day and night, whatever. Ninety hour weeks. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He's, he, and he's a dad and he's got a little boy, but yeah, um, my wife and my daughter are road tripping there in two weekends to go spend some time with the little guy. But he's coming to Cape Cod, you know, he and his wife. That's nice. a prioritization thing for them, and and they're going to come join us. And and um, so I was glad that he chose to do that. We let him know when we're going to be out there, and and he got back and said, "Hey, Maddie and I have decided we're going we're going to come there too." So so that warms my heart because I feel like he grew up with with us telling him you need to do this, and now as an adult on his own. He believes in it and he values it as well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You just like qualified what parenting is for you so well. I mean, that was the most beautiful story ever. I mean, this is amazing. I do want to ask a couple more um, questions I like to ask all my guests. Sure. You've already answered a, quite a few of them, but I would love to know um, if you can go back and tell yourself one thing before having kids. Is there anything that you would tell yourself?
1: Um So first of all, I feel really fortunate that I married the right person. (laughs) Well, there was was a study done that I read 20 years ago. I think it was the Harris Roth Institute. But they studied like 10,000 people for like two decades as to Mm -hmm. um, whether they were happy or not and what factors derived their happiness. And it was interesting because when they ended up quantifying those things, um, obviously health plays a role. And do you have friends and do you work at something meaningful? And, you know, all these other factors in your life that you're told are, are thing. but you know, the number one criteria by far that dwarfed everything else in hmm. terms of somebody's assessment of whether they were happy and healthy uh, and, 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 and in life was, uh, did they marry the right person? It seemed that people no who, fo- people who wow. felt that they were married to the right person, their whole outlook on life was better. Um, they, And whatever malady they'd faced or whatever challenge or whatever didn't seem so bad because they were married to the right person, somebody who was supportive and in this with them. So whether they'd lost their jobs or had bad health or the parents had died or, or whatever, um, their perception of being happy was much higher. Those who were, who were in a bad relationship, even though they might have everything else in life going great, their assessment of their happiness level was, less. So the study, after studying wow. 10,000 people for all the, you know, a decade or two came back and said, <clears throat> you want to be happy? Marry the right person. That seems to be you know, <laughs> worth points one through five on the scale. And then everything else is, is kind of below that. So I feel fortunate. 37 years ago, I met and married um, the, the right person. So all the things I've told you about myself and I've done since then have been much easier being married to the right person um, as, a, as opposed to if not, so any credit or, or success or significance or anything you want to give me, fifty percent of it goes uh, to her. So, um, so looking back, I would say to you or to anybody else, hopefully you you're in the right relationship. You're you know if you're married, that you're married to the right. Person. Oh wow! Um, because if so, I think that's the big quantum first step, and 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 then after that, I would say. Uh, when you're looking back, whatever it was that had stressed me out in my life, um, I look back at it now and I, 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 I chuckle in the scheme of things and then end up being insignificant. You know, my son, oldest son tells me, he told me a story one day that I hadn't even remembered. He said, dad, remember when I was in third grade and you and mom were up all night debating and stressing about, you know, you had a work trip that you had a chance to take mom and I on, but I was going to have to miss a week of school. And, you and mom were so stressed. Third grade, miss a whole week. He goes looking back. Do you know how insignificant a week of school was at third grade? <laughs> he goes, Had zero effect on my life. That that. But but he yeah. said, do you remember at the time you and mom were so anxious about that? You know, a whole week, and what, what if you got behind? And because he was our oldest and our first child, and you worry a lot about things like that. And and so that just makes the point. My son was observant enough to remember that and, and kind of learn from that. But. Yeah. Um, probably wasn't used to his parents being stressed about something. And here we were debating this thing and he could hear us and deciding, gosh, should we do this or not? And and so my number one thing is, um, you know, have a hop in your step every day. There, there's whatever it is that's stressing you out, you're alive. Um, you know, you've got all kinds of opportunities to go do fun things every day. Go, go do something meaningful for uh, your family, for your spouse, for your employees. Whatever it is you're stressing about, trust me. In the future, you're going to look back and you're going to think I was an idiot for even worrying about that, whether it's something financial or career-wise. you know, I I remember the the, the biggest disappointment I had career-wise ever in my life was I I once got passed over for a promotion at IBM. I wanted to be a a sales manager and someone else got the job. And I remember going home that night to myself young and thinking, you know what, I I should probably leave. I've worked so hard. I deserve it so much more than that guy. That the, that the fact that I'm at yeah. a place where he got it and not me, maybe this isn't a good fit for me and, 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 you know, piss on them. They, they let them live with that guy. I, I, I'm going to, and fortunately I went to bed and, and slept on it before doing it. And next yeah. day, I woke up and I thought, you know what, I've got an investment here. Maybe I'll do the opposite. So I went in, I, I asked for time with, with the guy that made the decision. He was expecting me to come in and yell and scream and tell him I got the shaft. I went in and I said, listen, I clearly didn't do a good job, good enough job of convincing you I was the guy. So I'm going to work twice as hard and I'm going to make it a no brainer for you. The next time that there's a promotional opportunity that you have to give it to me. Um, and I'm going to be the best, hardest working employee you've ever met. And um, so fast forward five years later, five years later, um, that guy's working for me. <laughs> um, and and he comes in to me and he says, and I call him in. I said, listen, do you have any problem working for me? Because I used to work for you. And And he said, you know what, Pete? After that day when you had that conversation with me, you told me how you were going to double down and work harder. I went home and told my wife, I probably did give the job to the wrong person. And and you know what? I'm going to wake wow. up every day trying to figure out how to come through for this Pete Espinosa guy because I can't believe his attitude. Everybody else would have come in and bitched and complained and been a, a, a sour yeah. apple to the rest of the employees. And this guy did that much better. He goes, so when it came time for me to rank and rate employees, I mean, I had to I had to say this guy was a head and shoulders of everybody else. So he says, "Super happy for you, and and a supporter of yours, and and on and on and on." So um, I, I'd like to tell a story, just because looking back on my, I was lucky that I came to that conclusion. I, I, I you know, I I trust the fact that my parents, it, you know, perspective on life maybe helped me get there. Um, but you know, they say negative things come in bunches. You know, if if I'd have gone in and resigned, if I'd have gone in and bitched, and then something else negative happened, I'd have felt. Bummer. I've been shafted now twice. I didn't get this job. And, yeah. you know, uh, that's right. Um, yeah. And 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 so you don't realize until you're older and you've been through a few, you know, things, experiences like that and how meaningful they can be on the trajectory of your of your career. And so that'd be my biggest advice um, for people. You know, heck, you're a young guy. You just turned 40. Um, you're a young guy. And, yeah. and all the young parents in their 30s don't stress about things as much as you are. And, and, um, you know, be resilient, find that negative thing, you can make it a positive, and it'll be a big deal. That's amazing.
0: Pete, this is awesome. I really, really appreciate you uh, taking the time and share with us. Uh, let me ask you one last question before I close this out. Um, do you have a favorite business book or even just a book that you that you can call your favorite that you would recommend other people to read?
1: The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, I, oh, I've, yeah, I've liked this book forever. Now it was written you know, a couple thousand years ago. Um, but right. so way back when when uh, Bobby Knight was the, a, a noteworthy basketball coach at Indiana, I happened to have run into him in, in Vail, Colorado in the summer, downtown walking around. And I, I hmm. would say, hey, Bobby Knight, the big basketball coach at in Indiana. And, he goes, and I asked him the same question. Is there a book you that you would recommend on, on competing or being successful in life? And, you know, I was a guy who was in my, you know, late 20s then. And he said, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And I, I wrote it down, but I thought That's, that sounds kind of weird. I, um, I was, you know, <laughs> I wanted to say Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Successful People or something, you know. But then yeah, I yeah. watched a, um, I watched Lee Atwater, who at the time in the 70s and 80s was the head of the Republican Party. And at that time with Reagan, they'd had all this success. And I saw an interview with him and someone said, what do you, how do you ensure success and, and maximize, you know, opportunities for yourself? And he said, I leave my Monday mornings open. And they said, well, what is that? Matter. And he said, "Well, because every Monday morning I reread *The Art of War* by Sun Tzu," and I was like, "Wow!" Twice no out of the blue. And then wow. I was fortunate; IBM sent me to the Harvard Business School to, you know, to get an, some advanced business degree classes. And day one, the Harvard Business School professor stood up and said, "We're going to use as a as a treatise for this semester *The Art of War* by Sun Tzu." And and so I went and got two adaptations of the book and just read it. But it talks about in peace, you prepare for war, um, and by that I mean um, that's it's a way of saying be proactive, think about things that might be coming up, and go deal with them now. Um, you know, and 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 then it says to win without war is best. And the point is trying to make is you know if you treat people well, and and you anticipate things well, um, you can get the desired outcome versus having to have the confrontational battle. Um, so as an example it would tell stories about the general that would march into town after the big successful battle and 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 the city would praise them and 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 leap all kinds of rewards at that big successful general but Sun Tzu would say how about the general who by successful planning and strategy and tactics achieved what he wanted for the state and didn't lose half his men in battle um that person yeah. you never hear about and i try to tie that to sales situations what about the sales rep because he formed a great relationship sold all the value and we got the deal done at a fair price point and fair contracts and all that, and and we didn't have to go through a, a brutal RFP competitive process. And and many times you reward the sales guy who had the big knockdown drag out. We finally won the deal, but we had to offer the lowest price we ever have and commit to a bunch of special things. And but the guy, you know, the other sales rep who got their deal done and 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 didn't take you through all the drama. Many times you don't recognize that guy as much. You don't feel like they went through as much to win it. But yeah. In actuality, they, they they won without war um, and then peace they prepared for yeah. war. And then lastly, it says you have to know your competition as yourself. And um, and if you do that, then you need not fear the result of 100 battles. So I've tried to use that in business where I tell people, you know, if we really got to know our competition. The last company I worked for, like this one that that I'm, I'm, I've been CEO of, um, the week before I joined, I went to an industry conference, bought my own badge, paid my own way used my LLC, Bottle Tree Properties, as it, and, and I went to the, all the competitors' booths of this company to ask them what they do and how they do it and who they compete with. And, and I built up some great, great competitive information. So then I started in the job, and, and, and I asked them, you know, tell me who you compete with and why, and, and, and I had a better perspective on, on their competitors and what their competitors were wow. up to than they did. Now, I had the advantage of going up their booth and asking the question, but but they'd never taken the time to actually go ask their competitors, um, you know, what's your secret sauce? How do you win? What do you think of this company? Stuff like that. So um, anyway, amazing. I, I would, if you go find The Art of War by Sun Tzu and read it. Now, there, there's some pretty unique stories from way back in ancient China times, but but take it, you, you could find some parallels to today's world. And so when I got whapped with those three things I've read, and I've I've kept that book front and center for myself since then, young.
0: I love it. Yeah. I I I have never actually read that book. I mean, I've I've been told, I think, in probably no less than half a dozen times in my lifetime to read it. Uh and I see it in almost everyone's bookshelf, but I have never personally actually taken the time to read it. I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna text you and I'll say, I'll tell you which, what I think about it. Uh, (laughs) awesome pete thank you so much for taking the time to be on my show this was amazing i had so much fun and uh, it was just incredible to hear all of your wisdom and perspective and mindset it's very very inspiring and powerful
1: well thank you so much and young great to see you again Head not seen you for a bit very energizing for me to see you and see the smile on your face and get reconnected and and i hope i hope we you know we stay connected going forward young i
0: would enjoy that Yeah, me too. I, I feel like I've gotten, I I thought I knew you pretty well, actually, but now like this podcast like made us even closer because I feel like I have such a more um, comprehensive understanding of who you are and and what motivates you and drives you and how you think and your values. And so I would love to stay in touch. I mean, you're very, very inspiring, man. Uh, So thank you so much for that.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it very much. And and thank you for the kind comments. Young, all the best.
0: We'll talk soon. Okay.
1: Thank you. Okay. Bye bye.
0: Thank you again for listening to the Girl Dad Show. To help our show grow, please let us know who we should interview next by filling out the form on our website or commenting below.